0: Will you join with me in prayer? Gracious God, we give you thanks for your word, which we have just heard. And God, we pray that you would give us understanding of your word. Help us to understand your gospel message in this story from the gospel of Mark, and help us to see how your gospel message is reflected all around us, including in the movies that we watch, like The Greatest Showman. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Well, can you imagine if the story that you just heard was made into a movie? It would have to be PG. I think it would actually probably be rated R. Probably, imagine just this opening scene. There's a naked man. He has chains, broken chains dangling from his feet. He has self-inflicted cuts all over his body and he is wandering around among the tombs, crying out. Actually, he's howling. I don't like seeing those kinds of movies. They scare me. Today's scripture, if it was made into a movie, it would be like a a real life horror movie. There's that man with scars, other people are staying away from him out of fear. That's the kind of movie that makes me not be able to go to sleep at night. And if I'm completely honest, it's because it's uncomfortable for me to face the reality that such brokenness and dysfunction exists in our world. I don't want to be reminded of that by seeing a person like the garrison demoniac. The people in the surrounding area felt the same way. This man wasn't fit for society, and so they exiled him, they chained him, and they stayed away from him. He lived outside the bounds of human society. Normal people wanted him to be out of sight, invisible. And he really doesn't have a name. We don't know what his parents called him. And so we give him a label. We call him the Garrosene Demoniac. Garrosene, because that's the area in which he lived. And demoniac, a person possessed by evil spirits because fundamentally that is who he is. But he wasn't invisible to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't avoid him. In fact, Jesus intentionally went to him. He got in a boat, he crossed the lake, and he met this most unusual man. Look at how the man responds to Jesus. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. This man was watching for visitors, and when he got one, he disregarded and dispensed with any dignity that he may have left, and he ran. You may know that in biblical times, grown men didn't run. It was considered undignified. Remember in the story of the prodigal son, the father's watching for the younger son and when he finally sees him, he runs after him. That was a really big deal. There is urgency and intensity in the emotion of both of those stories that is reflected by the act of running. And when the garrison demoniac got to Jesus, he fell down on his knees in front of him. He assumed the posture that a subject, would offer his conquering king. The man who broke shackles, cut himself with stones, was submissive and completely dependent when he came into the presence of Jesus. Pause there for a moment. Right there is a picture of the power of Jesus, King Jesus, whom we talked about last week. And then something weird happened. The man started shouting, At the top of his voice another translation says he shrieked this man was not well one moment he's kneeling in front of jesus in a posture of complete submission and the next moment he's shrieking begging not to be tortured maybe you are wondering is this real like do demons really exist or is this man mentally ill is his illness being explained by the ancients uh, as as demon possession because they don't understand mental illness well we could have a whole sermon on those questions but for today let me just simply say that the symptoms that are exhibited by the garrison demoniac can be mental illness And today there is medication that we have that help people who struggle with some of those symptoms. But I am confident that there is such a thing as demons, as evil spirits, and that unusual behavior cannot always be explained by mental illness. Sometimes it's not a health problem, it's a spiritual problem. And Mark makes it clear that that was the case with the garrison demoniac. If you have your Bible open, I want to invite you to look at the conversation between this man and Jesus. Jesus asks him, What is your name? And he says, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again not to send them out into the area. Now, notice that the man sometimes talks like he's an individual. He says, my name is Legion, and he begged. And sometimes the man talks like he's a group. We are many. Don't send them out of the area. He is possessed by many demons. And when he says that his name is Legion, he's speaking as a man who is possessed by many demons because Legion means many. That word, though, would have also elicited a very strong reaction from the first people who would have heard this story. Because a legion was the largest unit of the Roman army. It was made up of 6,000 soldiers and up to the same number of supporting troops. Sharon Ringy writes that the Roman legions symbolized the occupying forces whose power was overwhelming and whose presence meant the loss of control over every dimension of their own society. In biblical times, there was nothing you could do when a Roman legion moved in. You were powerless against such an opposing force, unless you are the son of God. The demons know that even though they are many, they are outranked, and they are powerless. And so they begged Jesus to allow them to go into a herd of pigs. And Jesus gave them permission. And after they enter the pigs, the pigs run off a cliff and drown. The man is restored to sanity. He's in his right mind. He's no longer naked. He is clothed. He's no longer exiled to the tombs. He's l- not living among the dead anymore. He's among the living. He's in his community. Jesus has healed this broken, lonely, pathetic man. If Hollywood were writing this story, how do you think it would end? With the man hugging his mother, surrounded by townspeople, clapping him on the back, welcoming him home? Do you think there'd be singing and dancing and feasting? It seems like it should end that way, but it doesn't. Because look at verse 15. They were afraid. And then look at verse 17. The people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Even the man who's healed, he doesn't want to reconnect with his family and friends. In fact, in verse 18, he begs Jesus to let him get in the boat and go with Jesus. Why? Well, I think it's partly because it's easier to keep people hidden in our community than to figure out how to include them in our community. I don't think they knew what to do with this man. And the man himself didn't know how to live as a sane, whole person in that community. Jesus, as he always does, disrupted the status quo. He messed with the boundaries and the separations of the community. And most of us don't like that. Most of us would rather stay where we are. We would rather hang out with people who think like us, behave like us, worship like us, than risk the discomfort of getting to know and creating space for people who are very different from us. If you've seen the movie, The Greatest Showman, you know that there is a lot of disruption of the status quo in that movie. And the movie includes some characters who are very different from mainstream society. The Greatest Showman tells the story of P.T. Barnum and the beginning of the circus. The movie begins when Barnum is a child, a poor child, who endures scorn and hardship, And who catches a glimpse of another life a life of privilege a life of wealth and he sets out to make that life for himself and in doing so he creates show business a business that gives a place to people who are very different people like the bearded lady people like tom thumb the midget the dog man People who, like the garrison demoniac, are known by their label, not their name. How many of you have seen The Greatest Showman? Keep your hand up if you remember this character. She's a memorable, significant character in the movie. Now keep your hand up if you know her name. And her name isn't the bearded lady. That's her label. Although he's an imperfect leader, Barnum creates a place of belonging for people who are being labeled and hidden, people who are shunned, laughed at, people like Charles Stratton. P.T. Barnum sought out and found people who were invisible, people who were hiding from view. In The Greatest Showman, we are introduced to a fellowship of difference, a place where being different is a good thing. A place where people who have been invisible and hidden become included. And even the ever critical theater critic recognized that there was something special about what Barnum had accomplished. He wouldn't call it art, but he had to acknowledge that putting folks of all kinds on stage with you, all colors, shapes, sizes, presenting them as equals. why Another critic might have even called it a celebration of humanity. A celebration of humanity. It's amazing to me that Hollywood chose a circus to be the example of what a fellowship of difference might look like. Because this is the role of the church. Scott McKnight writes that the church is God's grand experiment in which difference get connected, unlikes form a fellowship, and the formerly segregated are integrated. McKnight calls the church God's show-and-tell for how to live as a family. And so he concludes that the success of a church is first determined by how many invisible people become visible to those not like them. It's hard to live as a fellowship of difference. Let me say that again. It's hard to live as a fellowship of difference. In The Greatest Showman, P.T. Barnum riled people up by including different people, by putting people who had been invisible on the stage. And as a result, there were threats rioters burned down his building family relationships were strained and barnum almost gave up but in show business the show must must go on and so the movie has the happily ever after kind of ending that we are all hoping for but how about the bible story how does it end When we stopped reading, Jesus was getting into a boat to cross the lake. And he tells the man to share his story, which the man does throughout the area. And all the people were amazed. But I don't think that's the end of the story. Because this story is not only about the Gerasene demoniac. It's about us. The details of this story make it clear that it takes place in Gentile territory. These were not God's chosen people. They weren't people who followed God's law. Jews would have never been in a territory like that because there were pigs around. And pigs were unclean, detestable animals. Dead bodies were also unclean. And where did this man live? He lived in the tombs. So at the start of the story, Jesus is surrounded by uncleanness, by pigs, by tombs, and by Gentiles, pagans. Jesus is not just welcoming the garrison demoniac. The massive scale of this exorcism suggests that it's not just about this man. Jesus didn't just cleanse the garrison demoniac. Of the legion of demons he cleansed the entire gentile land so that god's kingdom would be open to everyone and even those who have been invisible separated shunned rejected by society this is a challenging story especially if you're like me and you don't like messy because honestly this is a messy story but sometimes messy is good for example in a salad now i don't know how you like to eat your salad i know some people have salad idiosyncrasies my dad used to like to eat what he called an upside down salad he liked to put his tomatoes and other fixings on the bottom and then his lettuce on the top so that the dressing would go directly onto the lettuce No matter how you eat your salad, I doubt that many people eat a salad like this one. A salad in which all of the ingredients are separated. They don't touch. Scott McKnight calls this a weird salad. Matter of fact, I would even say this is not a salad. This is a plate of vegetables. In order for this to be a salad, it needs to be mixed up. So if I were taking this and making a salad out of it, if I were going to make a salad for my lunch, I would take, and this is some really nice lettuce from the farmer's market, and I would spread the lettuce around on my plate. These cucumbers are from the community garden. I would place some cucumbers around on my salad. I really like tomatoes, so I'd keep them and put them on my salad, mix it all up, and, I like onion, not too much. So I'd put a few onion slices on my salad. But I wouldn't stop there because I think that's a pretty boring salad. So I like a lot of color in my salad. I might get some yellow pepper and put some yellow pepper in my salad. I have some blueberries still from the Kiwanis. They're delicious. And fruit is really yummy in a salad. So I would put some blueberries in my salad also giving me some nice color. I love olives. Here are some green olives, adding some nice salty flavor to my salad. And I'm a really big fan of cheese. Anything is better with cheese, including salad. Here is some cubed up cheddar cheese for my salad. And on the very top, I would take and sprinkle some slivered almonds for some crunch in my salad. Now even now, I'm not finished because to really make a yummy salad, you need some salad dressing to kind of pull it all together. And so I would pour some nice salad dressing on it. This is a good salad. I think that's the point of our message today. That it's not about staying separate. It's about all coming together. That our a fellowship of difference is about different Looks different flavors, different textures, just all coming together, making it so much better. And just as the salad dressing pulls this all together, it is the Holy Spirit that allows us to not just be a whole bunch of ingredients on a plate, but like actually pulling it all together so that we are united. A fellowship of difference like we see in The Greatest Showman and also like we see in this story of the garrison demoniac in which he's invited into the community. It looks like this salad not a weird salad where all the ingredients are separated. A fellowship of difference is like a salad with lots of different colors and textures and tastes that are brought together by the salad dressing. A fellowship of difference involves all different kinds of people connected, not separated, each contributing their unique flavor to the overall experience and the Holy Spirit bringing it all together what would it look like for First Church to be a fellowship of difference? I think that's God's call to us, to be a church that doesn't just say, Jesus is what is most important to us, but to show it by building relationships with people who are different from us in all kinds of ways, except that they too claim Jesus as their Lord and they too follow him. Is Jesus more important to you than your position on COVID? Is Jesus more important to you than your thoughts about tattoos? Is Jesus more important to you than your preference about worship style? Are we willing to mix it up a bit to allow the different ingredients in God's amazing salad to touch? Are we even willing to include some nuts? This week, I wanna invite you to take a step toward becoming a fellowship of difference. If you're not too sure about this, take a small step. Make a salad this week. And as as you add each ingredient in your salad, pray for some people who are not a part of your social circle. People who are invisible to you. Pray for widows who are lonely. Pray for children who are hungry. Pray for people on the opposite side of the political spectrum. Pray for those who are disabled. Pray for anyone who is different from you. And if you're having trouble even thinking about who would that be, ask God to help you see. And you don't have to make a salad to do that. If you are ready for a bigger step, i want to invite you to eat with someone with whom you have never sat at a table with before. Or invite someone very different from you to have a cup of coffee and a 30-minute conversation. We get really comfortable with our circle of family and friends. Can we widen the circle a bit in order to expand God's kingdom? Finally, if you're all in on this, if this is like your heartbeat, I wanna invite you to have a meal with someone who is significantly different from you. Invite someone who is way older or way younger. Invite someone of a different race or political persuasion. It will probably be uncomfortable, but it's an opportunity to learn and to see. Think of how uncomfortable it was for the characters in The Greatest Showman to create that fellowship of difference. Think of how scary it must have been to approach the garrison demoniac. But most of all, think of how wonderful it is to build the kingdom of God together. As Paul wrote to the Romans, may the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind, and one voice, you may glorify God, the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.